How can I know God is real? What does the Bible say about politics? Why does a good God allow suffering? If you have questions about faith, life or culture, don't be afraid to ask. This This is Ask with David Dean. Hey everyone, Dave Dean here. And our question for the week is, will God heal me if I have enough faith? Throughout the Gospels, Jesus says things like, your faith has made you well. And even in the Old Testament, we have prophetic words about Jesus like Isaiah 53, which say, He was wounded for our transgressions. By his stripes we are healed. Now, do passages like this teach a connection between our faith in what Jesus has done for us in salvation to our physical health? Let me say straight away that I can really feel the pastoral weight of this question. It's not just a theological question, and really that's why it's quite difficult to give a general public answer because personal questions like this really do deserve a personal response. But to give an answer, at least something towards an answer, there are three things that I'd like to say here. First, the sufferings, sickness, and injuries we experience are ultimately symptoms of living in a broken creation. In Romans 8, Paul says that all creation is groaning, which harkens back to the creation account in Genesis, specifically chapter 3 and the first human sin of Adam and Eve. Now, there's different ways people have sought to understand the idea of sin entering into the world, but here's one way that I like to think of it. Sin is not so much a thing with a substance all on its own. Sin is principally defiance against God, his being, and his creation. So when we say sin entered the world, and that's why we get sick and eventually die, I don't think we should have this image in our head of something like a black mist called sin that comes forth into the world and now permeates all things affecting you and I and everything around us. No, sin is not extraneous to humanity like the dark side of the Star Wars force. It is simply the name we have given to describe life which deviates from God and the order, pattern and structure of his good creation. And just as a side note, the Greek word for evil actually implies maligning or something that is corrupt into a good and healthy state of being. So if God is life, and if in the beginning the order, structure, and pattern of creation was all good, then anything which deviates from or is unrelated to God is non-life, death, and anything which goes against the order, structure, and pattern of creation is not good, giving rise to realities like sickness and suffering. So right away, this first point, I think, helps calibrate our thinking on the question of why we suffer and get sick, at least in an ultimate sense. You know, there may be obvious particular moral reasons why someone gets sick, perhaps a certain lifestyle choice or personal decision, but there may also be no evident reason at all, in which case the sickness or the suffering may not really be a moral consequence of a certain action or behavior, but just a natural consequence of living in a fallen, broken, groaning creation. Kind of like the Tower of Siloam in Luke chapter 13, Jesus' disciples asked him, why did they die? Why did that fall? Why did that happen to them? And his response was effectively to say it's just a consequence of living in a sin-wrecked world. That's actually why Jesus takes the opportunity to remind the people that they need to get right with God. Physical sickness, physical death, these are very tangible painful reminders of our broken spiritual relationship with God because in the end they are symptomatic of precisely that reality. A second thing to say is God is more interested in our spiritual health than our physical health and clearly this now comes as a segue from the first. It is a fact of scripture that there is not a single promise that Christians will be healthy or wealthy in this life. 
The idea that God will punish the wicked with diseases to which the virtuous will be immune exists in some religions, but it is not Christian. To the contrary, the New Testament teaches time and again that Christians will suffer. The disciples suffered and died. Jesus suffered and died. And the last time I checked, the death rate was still one per person. While there are many instances of fantastic miracles recorded throughout the life of Jesus in the Gospels and the early church in the book of Acts, as we look at them closer, we see in those examples that there is always a deeper purpose to the healing beyond the physical. Take John 9, for example. Here we have a blind man and the disciples asked Jesus who sinned that this man would be born blind. Did he or did his parents? Jesus gives an amazing answer. He says, in effect, neither. It is so that the work of God may be displayed in his life. And as we know, Jesus then in that moment healed the blind man. Effectively, Jesus was saying that every moment of that blind man's life was meaningful because it was working with purpose within the providence of God. That's not to say that God is the direct cause of all sickness and suffering or indeed that individual's blindness, but it is to say that God can bring beauty from the ashes, that no sickness or suffering is ever in vain or wasted in the economy of God because it is pregnant with hope. It is pregnant with purpose. It has meaning. Perhaps more pointedly is another example in the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. Jesus is healing the masses from dawn to dusk and he's exhausted by the end of the day. He goes to bed, he wakes up before dawn in the dark and he goes off to pray. His disciples finally catch up with him and they say, hey Jesus, everyone is here waiting to get healed. Everyone is looking for you. Jesus is stunning in his response. He says, Let's go to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I have come. You hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus is interested in physical healings, but not for the sake of physical healings, because there is deeper significance tied to the message here that Jesus came to preach, a message which gets to the spiritual root of the physical issues we face, that first issue of sin and a broken relationship with God. And this second point really helps us to understand those Bible passages I read out earlier about Jesus saying things like, your faith has made you well. You know, when we get to James 5, which talks about a prayer of faith that will save a sick person and raise them up, the word for save there in the Greek is sozo. It is a salvation word and raise up is clearly a reference to the resurrection. That's what we're talking about here. So if I can provocatively say this, God always, without exception, answers prayers of the faithful for healing, but it just may not be in the immediate way or time or circumstance that we wish. It may not be till the time of resurrection, but either way, it will be answered. And faithfulness for a Christian looks like resting in that promise. I mean, think about it. The same Jesus who healed the blind man in John 9 is the same Jesus who said, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out in Matthew 5. The same Jesus who healed the withered hand in Luke 6 is the same Jesus who said, if your hand causes you to be led astray, cut it off, Matthew 5. This tells us that Christian priorities in the economy of God are far deeper than just the physical. Third and finally, sickness and suffering may be indeed, very often is, the means God uses to bring people to faith and to deepen their faith, trust and dependence in him. C.S. Lewis once wrote that you only look up when you're on your back. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. In other words, to zero in specifically on the point of faith in this question, it is precisely in light of these kinds of present sufferings, as Paul calls them, 
that Christians are called to persist and endure in faith. You know, a short answer to this question, will God heal me if I have enough faith, is found in the fact that there are times recorded in the Gospels where Jesus healed people who did not display any kind of faith at all. Indeed, sometimes they didn't even ask to be healed. Jesus just healed them. So clearly we need to be very careful connecting faith with physical healings. In some Christian circles today, there is the view that we only have to ask God and he will heal us because he loves us and that healing will come straight away. So healing is sort of seen as a proof of a person's faith and God's love in return is the transactional outcome there. Now, this idea of faith in this kind of transactional way, it is popular because, well, it offers people a sense of control and reward when dealing with the unknown, but it is not Christian. It is a cancer to the good news of Jesus Christ because it goes right against so much of what the Bible has to say. It is this kind of thinking that leads to blaming the victims of disease for their sickness or death. It is this kind of thinking that takes our eternal treasures in heaven and locates them on here on earth where moth and rust destroy. It is this kind of thinking that views faith as a work meriting salvation instead of a response to the work of Christ in securing our salvation. It is this kind of teaching that turns from the hope we have in Jesus to the hope we have in our physical health, which gets old and goes to ground sooner or later. When it comes to questions of faith, faith's focus is key. Faith is like a check. The value is not in the piece of paper that denotes an amount of money. The value is in the money in the bank that the check points to. You see, Christians do not have faith in our faith because that shifts our focus onto ourselves. We have faith in Jesus. We look to him, the author and perfecter of our faith. Will God heal me if I have enough faith? Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can do mighty things because it's not about our abilities. It's about God's saving power. Friends, we have to realize God is not absent from our sickness. He's not absent from our suffering. If we believe in God, then faith comes in at that moment of realizing he is sovereign over all of this. And faith also comes in the future expectation and hope that Jesus will always bring restoration and healing. Now that healing may be in this life, and if it does come in this life, then that is just a dim reflection of the ultimate healing and restoration in the life to come. But either way, we have cause for praise and joy in the hope we have, because the primary purpose of the Christian life is not healing from sickness and suffering, it is to know God. And oftentimes the journey to knowing God involves sickness and suffering because that is how we learn to lean into a deeper faith and trust and dependence on him to carry us through. In the words of the Apostle Paul, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Friends, if you're sick, if you're suffering, then can I encourage you to pray and seek God at this time that he may reveal to you his purposes and mould you into his likeness through this trial. Don't waste your sickness. Don't waste your suffering. Allow God to shine through this moment of your trial for his glory as you hold on to the hope that there is a day coming when you will be raised up and there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness. A day is coming when Jesus Christ himself will wipe every tear from your eye. Do you have a question about Christian beliefs, theology, doctrine, philosophy or culture? Don't be afraid to ask. Go to drcdean.com forward slash ask. That's Dean with an E.